Hello friends, welcome to God's Eagle Ministries. My name is Ambassador Monday Orojo Ogwe. At God's Eagle Ministries, we are seeding the news with God's word and God himself is transforming lives through his timeless truth, one content at a time. We are one in Christ Jesus, let's say one. Evangelism, discipleship, counseling, uh, healing, deliverance, restoration, um, prayer without walls, borders, and denomination. We continue our series today on prayer. And uh, we, we started that this is the second uh, month uh, running on prayer. It's going to go on for a very long time in the course of our waiting in the beginning of uh, in, in, in April, March into April. Uh, the Lord said I should take a series on prayer, uh, praying, uh, uh, equipping the saints uh, for warfare, equipping the saints for the work of ministry in the place of prayer and also um, to also pray for the nations and the nations of the earth. God is passionate about nations. And so the topic we want to take on today is why is it that people don't pray? Why is it that the last thing we do is we go into the place of prayer when we tried everything else? What could be the reason and why you must avoid uh, such a club. And so um, I'd like us to pray before we go into that and let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you. We thank you because you're God Almighty and there is none like unto you. Thank you because you're greater than the greatest, you are mightier than the mightiest, and you are holier than the holiest. There's no one like unto you. In you, we live, we move, and we have our being. Without you, we can do nothing of lasting impact. And so even as we uh, go into uh, this uh, topic today, uh, why is it that people don't pray and why we must avoid uh, that club like a plague and then uh, giving reasons for prayer. Holy Spirit, I ask that you supercharge this message. Let it reach into the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and bone and marrow for as many, to as many that will re uh, uh, listen to this in the name of Jesus and let it kickstart them to be all that you call them to be and to do in Jesus' name. I yield my spirit, soul, and body to you. Use me for your glory. Speak through me to your people. I, I diminish and you increase in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, brothers and sisters, why? Why is it that we run away from prayer? I've, I've, I've gone to quite a number of churches, and each time they, uh, they call for prayer, you find, tend to find out 10% of over 200, 5,000, 6,000, 10,000 people show up for prayer. That is a divine scheme of the enemy, and we are playing very neatly into his hands. And so, but before I give you the reasons why, I want to just give you some instances to tell you, and, and I think it's, 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 it says where uh, there's, no, there's no vision or where there's no understanding, people cast out restraint. And so I want to talk about from the, from the position of understanding why prayer is so crucially important to our Christian work. But before then, before Christ, I would like to also go into Genesis. We read in the book of Genesis that God comes in the cool of the day uh, to uh, walk with uh, Adam, the first man. God came because God wants to engage us. God is spirit, and whoever wants to uh, walk with him wants to walk with him in spirit and in truth. And in truth, it is in the place of prayer that we can engage God, spirit to spirit. We are flesh and blood, but we are spirit beings. Our essence is spirit being. And God wants to engage us. That's why he created us. Let us create man in our image and our likeness. You see, creating 
us in our image and likeness, likeness means let's have a community. Which community does not communicate with one another? Prayer is a communication with your maker. And this dialogue between is not a one-way traffic, it's a two-way traffic between us and God. And if we don't have that, sorry, there's no relationship. God desires to work with us. God wants to work with us. God wants to partner with us. God wants to be believed that he exists. He says, you don't come to God except you believe he exists and it's a reward of them who diligently uh, seek him. Seek him. How do you seek God? Do you seek God just looking into the sky? Just keep God by communication. Let him know the issues you're facing. Let him find out about him. Who is he? Let him find out his mind. Let him find out his, his heart. How can two people be married without communication? It's impossible. That marriage, oh my God, you can, I can't explain it. There has to be communication uh, between us and our Father. The platform on which it does that is through prayer. And we see that God will come in the cool of the day. But what became a barrier? It was sin that became a barrier and God had to chase them out. But even at that, it's still long to keep that relationship. We see Adam and Eve. Uh, sorry, we see Cain and Abel, where they brought an offering. Offering, coming to God and presenting an offering of whatever you've done is also a way of communication. It's also prayer, communicating with God. You don't just bring things and just keep quiet and say, God, take. You have to also say something uh, to your creator. And that is communication. That is talking to God in that process. Then we see a classical example as we read through Genesis chapter 5. There's a guy, we see when they were going to uh, the stories, uh, you go through, Enoch shows up. And he says, Enoch, walk with God. God is spirit. How do you walk with God? Through prayer. He tells you things, you tell him things, he gives you assignment, you do that, you come back to give him feedback, you, you ask questions. And if you, if you read through the book of Enoch, there's a book of Enoch, you see the frequency of his visitation to heaven back and forth. How do you do that? In the place of prayer. And so our the real incense of us is through prayer. And then we run from there and go to Noah. Noah as well. God came to him. He saw the wickedness going on in the earth. And he says, look, let me uh, look at, uh, let me see. Let me build a family for myself. I can't walk with these ones. You see? And why is this so important that even when God has given us something, we need to ask for it? I was discussing with my wife a few days ago. And, and that is where this title came out. And why is it that people, uh, why is it that God requires us asking him for things? Yes, relationship is important. What else? Yes, it shows our longing. Yes, what else? You go back to Genesis. And it's in Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis uh, chapter 2, he came and said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helpmate good for him. God has good intentions for us. <laughs> and so he brought the man. But when God brought the woman, he took the woman out of the man and created a woman and then brought the woman and presented to Adam. When rubber hit the road and crisis came up, what did Adam say? Adam said, um, you, the woman you gave me to be with me, tempted me, gave me, and I ate. In a nutshell, 
I was okay by myself until you brought that woman. I'm just, I'm just adding uh, content to that <laughs> event. You know, the woman you brought me uh, gave me an I ate. In a nutshell, the woman you brought me made me sin. And in chapter six of Genesis, we see God saying, "I don't want my spirit to contend with man anymore." I have so much great plans for him, but each time the thoughts and intentions of his heart are desperately wicked. And so I will not contend with man anymore. In a nutshell, I'm not going to force my will on people. I'm not going to force my will on my creation. And so that's why he said, we have to ask. Yes, he has great plans, but we have to ask. We have to ask. He wants to protect us. Yes, but we have to ask. He wants to lead us in the right path. Yes, we have to ask. Because we, he wants us to walk in partnership. He doesn't want to go alone like he did before and brought that, uh, uh, Eve uh, to Adam and then Adam pulled us out. And if you go through history, every time God presents his people with something, they have one way or the other to turn it around. Look through the book of Exodus. Exodus the great deliverance that God brought in the life of the Israelites. By the time they got to the uh, tip of the sea, uh, the Red Sea, complaints started. We were okay. Why did you take us from there? It was God's intention. They weren't even in the picture when God told Abraham that 400 years it would be in the desert and then he would move them from there and bring them to the promise. Now he's come to take them out. Keep his good intention. And what happens? They, 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 they rebelled. The seed of rebellion has been in mankind from the time Adam fell. The seed of rebellion has been there. And so God doesn't want his spirit contending with us. And so it's in the place of prayer that we present things to him. It's in the place of prayer our heart engages with him. It's in the place of prayer. He says that, that when Jesus came, he said in Luke chapter 18 verse 1, that men always ought to pray and not faint. Um, what's his name? Samuel said it is a sin for him not to pray for the children of Israel when they asked for a king. God brought them a prophet, a priest. They said, No, they don't want that. They want to have kings like others. But he said, Despite that, he was going to be continue to pray because if he doesn't do, do that, that is sin. In fact, God had to stop him from praying for Saul at some point because Saul was rebellious. And human race has been rebellious. God presents to has good intentions, but we want to have our way. We want to go our way. Uh, I had children when they were growing up, you want to help them to say, and I can do it by myself. I can do it by myself. We are just like that. We want to do things by ourselves. God made in the Garden of Eden, God made every provision for us. But what did we choose? We chose knowledge. And says, you want to have knowledge? You've got knowledge. Before then, if we want to move from one planet, from one city to the other, we just disappeared. Boom, and up here there. There was no need for aeroplanes. There was no need for cars. There was no need for horses. But because we chose knowledge, God said, no, no problem. Go into uh, research. Go research. Use your knowledge to create aeroplanes. Use your knowledge to build cars. Use your knowledge and all of that. We said, okay, before then, there was no sickness. Now there is sickness. We have to read, read medicine, knowledge. We chose knowledge. So God always plays along with us. But if we call him in, this is the place of prayer, we call him in to do what he already has in mind for us. 
in Psalm 24, we are told, it says, commit your way uh, unto the Lord. Trust always, uh, all, uh, um, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. It says that when we seek the Lord, we will find him. When we search for him with all our hearts, because just God doesn't want to be taken for a ride. And it's in the place of prayer, exchange taking place. He says he uses the foolish things of this world to confine the wise. Prayer sounds foolish. We always want to be in action. We want to do everything. We want to sort our problem. But God says, go on your knees. He says, God releases the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hands of God that he will lift you up in due season. It's in the place of prayer. We are humbled. We go on our knees. And then he comes because he now realizes that we've let go of pride. He says, God resists the proud from person from afar. Can you imagine God resisting the proud person? And so what am I talking about now? What I'm saying is why is it that prayer, people, why so many don't pray? And why we must avoid that hopelessness, prayerlessness club like a plague? Why? Because we want to go it alone. We want to do it by ourselves. We don't want people telling us what way to go. We want to clap for ourselves when we're done. It's as a result of pride. The thing that make men fail. The pride, the sin, the three sins. The, the, the loss of the flesh. The loss of the, uh, of the eye. And the pride of life. The pride of life is what makes us not to pray. And so if you find yourself not praying and you're always taking action, it shows you are a prideful person. And God is going to resist your action. If you don't see God, then you're running your life, no problem. You can run everything you want. But the day you get up and say, now, Lord, I submit my life to you. You can't run house. God has to be part of it. If not, he's going to resist your effort. The people of the world who don't have account for God can run their life, build knowledge and create things without even recourse to it. That is the real cause of nature. You allow things to roll. But when we give our life to Jesus and make commitment to him, then we don't have control anymore. We don't have the freedom to choose. We go to him and say, should I go this way or should I go that way? And Jesus led by example. He says, I do nothing except what I see my father doing. That is great humility. The Godhead comes and is on earth and he doesn't do anything except what he sees the Father doing. And if we think it wasn't it was just Jesus, we go back to Moses. Every instruction Moses took when he got into Egypt were led by the Spirit of God. Do this. Okay, he hasn't worked out. Go to the next place. Because God knows we are rebellious. We are all hard-hearted. The people we have to contend with are hard-hearted. Our leaders are hard-hearted. Our neighbors are hard-hearted. The people we see on the streets are hard-hearted. God will always change his strategy. And so when he began to deal with Pharaoh and Moses, he would go, okay, he will take this one there. The guy's heart is hardened. And God permitted his heart to be hardened. God wasn't playing ball. God was showing him that there's a God who rules and reigns in the affairs of men. And so people don't pray. Number one reason people don't pray is because of the pride of life. One of the sins that Adam and Eve fell for in the garden is still at play today. So we are prideful. We think we can handle life ourselves. Okay? 
What other reason can one give for prayerlessness? The second is people have prayed and they've not seen results. And they've seen this, they tell you, look, you've been praying, look at things are not working out well. Well, who told you that prayer fixes all things? Jesus says, in this world, you will have problems. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So nobody ever told us that in this falling world, we are not going to go through crisis. But it's in the place of prayer that God grants us the enablement, the staying power, the endurance, the, the perseverance to walk through the process. And in the process of walking through, we reflect him in our world which the world is crying out for, since we are the light of the world, we are the salt of the earth, because this earth is meant to be burnt up in the long run. And what is going to remain are those who have relationship with God. And he wants us to reflect that and call people into the kingdom. The greatest battle on earth is not for money. The greatest battle or struggle on earth is not to build big churches. The greatest battle on earth is not about... Uh, um, uh, putting people in government or having your candidate be in government. The greatest battle and warfare on earth is for transactions, for the souls of men. And so when we go through situations, we reflect God in those situations and we're able to draw men. They will look at us and say, who are these people? We saw that in the book of Acts. In uh, Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit came down, you saw the church, the unity that was there. They said none of them lacked anything. And people were drawn to them by the love they had for one another. In John chapter 17, Jesus tells us that he knows that, that we shall be one. That the world may know that God sent him. That our life matters in the time of crisis. It's not about who rules your nation. It's not about who is at the helm of affairs. It's about our life reflecting Christ despite who. We saw Daniel. In, in, uh, in, 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 in a hidden nation, in Babylon, Daniel reflected Christ. Daniel never told Nebuchadnezzar to be uh, a, 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 Jude, a, Jude, uh, a follower of God. But the life of Daniel brought the whole nation to a standstill. We see Joseph in Egypt. Joseph never one day went to uh, Pharaoh and said, Pharaoh, please change and join God, or you must convert if not, you can't rule this nation. But in Egypt, God used Joseph to reflect his light and his salt. And Joseph, through Joseph, everybody knew that there's a God who rules and reigns in the affairs of men. So we should also stop this. Oh, we must, we must change the government. We must do all of that. God says the heart of kings are in his hands. And like a watercourse, he directs it in the way that it should go. We can do all the manipulations, whatever we want to do. But it is the purpose of the Lord that we stand, good, bad, and ugly. He says all things work together for good to go to those who love God, to those who are called according to his glory. And we don't reflect Christ. Sometimes we, 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 we hear prophecies go on. And people say, hey, prophecy, they prophesied and they never come to pass. Oh, yeah? Let's read scripture. Isaiah went to Hezekiah and told him that the Lord said, put your house in order, that you are going to pass out. And he walked, he goes away. 
And Hezekiah prayed. Hezekiah prayed. And what happened? God told the same prophet that had already prophesied to go and tell him that he has reverted. He's going to give him more years. So do we say that Isaiah is a fake prophet? Most of the time, God brings prophecy to ginger house to get up to pray. If not, he's going to do something. The first assignment we had in our nation here is the Lord told me, go around seven churches in each of the state capital. This is 2010. And tell them to repent. And he gave a prayer for a day, uh, for 365 days, and then repeated for three years to give to the churches. Seven copies each to each of the seven churches. In each of the 37 states, I drove alone with the jeep, all loaded with the books. My name was not on the book. He wanted them to pray and say, if you don't repent, I will send the Northern Army. Till today, we still have the Northern Army because the church has not repented. What is the first proof of repentance? Love for one another. Do we have love for one another? You go into churches, there are speakers blowing on each other. There are churches all over, no cohesion. Everybody is doing his own thing. When God wants to deal with a country, he does not look at Abuja. He does not look at your government. He looks at his church and he says, are they reflecting me? I am love, are they love? How do we relate with our wives? How do we relate with those who treat us badly? And that is the litmus test. It's not about people who treat us right. It's the people who are not treating us right. How do we go along with them? That is why, so there are three reasons why people don't pray. The first reason is the pride of life. Okay? The second reason is that we don't see prayers, to, we pray and sort of we are not seeing results. And the third is that there are all kinds of prophecy going on and they are not coming to pass. And we have hatred for one another. We don't love one another. And so we don't pray. As long as everything is okay with me, no problem. But we don't realize that when, when what touches one touches all. If, what, if we're in the body of Christ, we are part of the body of Christ. If one person is hot, it doesn't matter the person is in America or in Oceania, or is in, uh, in, in, in Africa, or is in Europe. Whatever touches a Christian should touch everyone. But is that what it is today? No. And so there are issues going on around the world who tell you pray. So what, why should I pray? I'm okay here. There are no evil here. Oh yeah, the scripture says what touches one touches all because we are part of Christ's body. In spirit, we are one spirit. That church, you think it's, it's not out of the way, it's one spirit, one God, one God, one Father of all us all. We worship the same God. And so that one God is the one that we all are following. And his spirit, our spirit is joined with his spirit. So we are one spirit. And so when one spirit is struggling and you are sitting down here and say, no, I'm okay, means flesh is speaking louder than anything else. And so let's get rid of this rubbish. Let's get rid of the pride of life. And that's why God is allowing what is going on right now. So that pride can be thrown out of the window. The only way God can bring about revival is through the fire. Jesus said in Mark chapter 9 verse 41, 49, everyone will be salted by fire. Why do we need salt? So that we can be seasoning in our world. 
And the only way that God can bring salt and humble us is to allow issues like this to go on. And so sometimes when God is chastising us, that's not time for warfare. And if you look one of our series on endurance, you understand the five categories of endurance. You are going to be persecuted for righteousness sake. There's no profit, no matter how long they prayed that we're not killed. Jesus was killed. Was he a sinner? No, he was killed. So many who seek God are treated badly. So we can't pray away persecution. Persecution brings the life of Christ out of us. In fact, in Revelation, we go to Revelation, we see where the body, the, 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 the souls of those who were uh, killed were crying out how long. They were asking for how long. And God said, until the numbers of those who are going to be uh, killed or beheaded are completed. Jesus said in Revelation 2 and 3, he says that, that you should endure, that some of you are going to be killed, but you should never deny him. They are crowns. They are crowns for, crowns for endurance. In, ad, in adversity. And sometimes, if you look at it in, in the book of Acts, where uh, Peter, the head of the church, was whipped with the others so that they don't preach anymore. They went in and they prayed and they said the place shook and the Spirit of God came there and strengthened them. They said, whether we should obey man or, or, or God, you determine that. And they went back and began to pray. They went back, and then when they were persecuted, they ran to other places and continued with the work. They never give up. So persecution should fire us up for the work God has given unto us. So prayer is not a preservation strategy. Prayer is to give us more strength for the offensive. Prayer puts us on the limelight. Prayers, when we go into prayer, we're going into engagement with the realm of wickedness. They are going to be counterattacks. We are not going to be able to abort all of that. There's been a lot of bread and butter preaching going on in our churches. And so people are giving up on God because a man of God said something that being a Christian, there's no suffering. Oh yeah? So what happened to the 12 apostles? All of them, even uh, John, was put in hot boiling oil and he ended up his throne to the Isle of Patmos. There in the Isle of Patmos, Revelation was written. It was in persecution. None of them was treated nicely because they were treated. None of them were treated like kings and priests. They were the rot of their time. And if you read, um, because I've talked a lot, but I'd like us to read the scripture here because it's now faith. Grace, we pick up our grace, grace, grace. Grace has a conditional. Grace is not free. It costs God's son his life. And that's why he said, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So grace is not for everybody. Everybody, Grace is for those who are humble. So you can be a Christian and be a prideful person and you don't have grace. Grace enables us to go through certain things that is impossible to do, humanly speaking. Now, faith. So the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith does not mean you are going to, going to go through crisis. But in the crisis, the God of all creation shows himself strong. And if you look at the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, look, to obey you, it's not a, a difficult matter here. We are not going to bow. 
that we know that our God will come for deliverance. But even if he doesn't, we're going to go through it. We have to be Christians that willing to stand even if we don't give terms and condition to God is our God for crying out loud. Say so by the end of the year, if it doesn't move, I'm going to do that. And we say that is prayer. That is Israelites in Egypt. And we're going to go around mountains over and over again because we'll never get into the rest that God has given unto us because we have not yielded. We are prideful. So grace will not be released and we will struggle through the issues that we face. And so faith, we believe God, we believe that he exists and is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. And so let's read. And I'll end this series now, this story today about why is it that people are not praying, addressing this issue of pride of life and not seeing answers to prayers. And then people making proclamations as not coming to pass. I go on and on and give you prophets who made proclamation and God told them you should go back and tell the people it's not going to happen. A case in point is the most stubborn prophet. His name is Jonah. Jonah went and, and drove all Nineveh and told them that they were going to uh, be destroyed in 40, in 40 days. And it never happened. And he got angry and went by the seaside because he, they think he's a liar. He's a prophet. Everything he says should come to pass. The people cried out. There's a two-way transaction here. When God gives you a word, people are supposed to be motivated to, to get up and repent. That's the intention. God does not desire that any should perish, but all should come to the saving knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. That is the intent. And so he doesn't want the wicked to perish. He says that he, he, he looked around on the wall, that he would, let me just read that very quickly so I don't quote out of context. That is uh, uh, in Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Ezekiel 39, I think. Ezekiel. Praise the Lord, somebody. Says he searched for a man amongst them that he would not, that would stand in the gap and not destroy. Uh, the land. That is Ezekiel 22, verse uh, 30. Says, and I searched for a man among them who will build up the wall and do what? And stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So the world is not, we're not lacking people who don't love God. There are so many people, leaders who don't hate God. But God is looking for intercessors who are going to stand so that a change, a twist will take place in the life of the king. So that he would take decisions that honor and glorify God. So that God would not cause people uh, to, to sin and to do things that doesn't honor him. And so God expects us to uh, stand in the gap for our nation. Stand in the gap for our lost children. God is like a father. 
If you have five children and one of them goes astray, do you stop praying for that one? No. You are trusting God that God will pull that one back. And the ones that don't love God are God's children also. They are not sons of the devil. They are acting. They are trying to walk after the ways of the devil. If they repent today, God will turn around because they are also his children. It is in the place of prayer we enact that. We legislate that. We have authority over everything on the earth. We are priests and king. We are priests unto our God, presenting the case of people, not just Christians, unbelievers as well, to the Lord so that he will intervene and bring about a turnaround. Give a new heart. Change the heart. Remove the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh so that when they hear the word, they would, they would submit to it. We need leaders who need God's wisdom. It was not on a, on a, on a, on a, on a golden platter or a diamond platter to just go and pick up solutions. Look at uh, in, in, in Egypt, God gave uh, wisdom to Joseph. God gave wisdom to Daniel in foreign lands, in hidden lands to solve problems. And at the end, they get up and worship. He says, we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world. But the city said, on a hill cannot be hidden. But she let her light so shine before men, that they would be talked before who? Before men, not just Christians. That they will see our good works, and who? Glorify our Father in heaven. Why is God so interested in glory? If you read Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, he says, for this reason we were created, to bring him glory. And if we, I will give you an assignment, read uh, Hebrews, the Hall of Fame, Hebrews chapter 11. Most of the people had faith that God exists, but most of them never got what they wanted. But because they trusted in God, God allowed them to go through that process. And God allowed them to see afar off what is going to be done, doing and showed us an example. And they are a cloud of witnesses sharing us off in this tough world. If everything is smooth, where is the reward? God reward overcomers. And I'm going to take a series on the rewards of overcoming. So we must get rid of this bread and butter Christianity where we think some few people are supposed to be praying. We are supposed to all pray because prayer is a relationship. That is the channel of relationship with God. God is spirit and those who come to him must worship in spirit and in truth. So it is in the place of prayer we engage spirit to spirit. Let's get rid of pride. Let's get rid of I can do it by myself. Look at the world. We try doing it by ourselves. Look at those own layer. We try doing it ourselves. We chose knowledge. Look at the state of the world. We go to the moon and people are dying on our street. Wars, killing. Hundreds of thousands of people are being killed every day. And we say we've advanced world. That is not advanced world. That is madness on a, on a, on a colossal state or stage. So let's get rid of this. Father, I thank you for uh, this moment. I thank you for the privilege to share this word with your people. I've spoken once. Re-echo, cause it to re-echo a thousand times or more. So that, Lord, your people will be kick-started to be all that you call them to be and to do in these times and seasons. Because we, if you don't go out, you are not going to come. There are so many out there on the sidelines that will not make a decision because we can't even display the love of God among ourselves. Lord, help us to love one another. Help us to have the pain that others are going through so that we can take this burden in the place of prayer and bring about a needed turnaround, not just for our nations, but the nations of the world. 
so that as the gospel goes out, he says, Lord, that is, but as you pray, the Lord of the harvest, that they pray, the harvest is, is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That we should pray for the Lord of the harvest to trust out laborers into the vineyard. Lord, you said we should pray. We pray so that we should trust out. That when we don't pray, laborers are not trust out. That nothing happens on earth except someone prays. And so, Lord, give us a burden for prayer, selfless prayer. No prayer of cake and butter, bread and butter. Give me this, give me that. The prayer that is resonating your heart, your body, concerning these times and this season. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take care. God bless.